you have difficulties forgiving, and I want to show you how to forgive right now on Finally Alive Radio. Welcome to the weekly teaching program from Finally Alive Ministries with pastor and counselor Gary Aris. Gary is a full-time pastoral counselor and teacher of God's Word. He has a remarkably deep passion to see people set free in Christ. You may call our prayer line at 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. That's prayer at finallyalive.com. Now, let's join Gary as he shares some amazing truth from God's counsel in this week's teaching. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Finally Alive Radio. I'm your host, Gary Aris, your very own Christian counselor. We were talking about forgiveness last time, the issues with it, the benefits, even the health benefits of forgiveness. We want to continue that talk and get into how we can actually begin to forgive. I think it's a very difficult topic. It's hard to do. And for most of us, we never learned how to forgive. I mean, I can't think of many courses uh, or parents that I've heard talk about forgiveness or how to forgive. So that's difficult. Hopefully this show can be the beginning, the seed planted in your heart to begin and or begin to at least learn how to forgive. This, I say, is one of the most important things in your walk. I believe not forgiving is literally cheating yourself in life. No matter what has happened to you, there is a way to deal with it. That's right, no matter what has happened to you. Because I stand on that verse that says, with God, all things are possible. Again, the health benefits, there's tons. Last time we went over reasons why we wouldn't forgive or it's difficult to forgive. Again, a few of them would be, well, I'll forgive when they apologize. And we discuss how that puts the other person in control of your life. How do you like that? Well, we don't. Nobody wants to feel controlled and manipulated. So we've got to throw that out. We can't wait for someone to realize or magically realize that they're doing you wrong or hurting you. You can't wait until someone changes or they get some kind of revelation from God or anything else. You must be proactive about this. You know, sometimes you might wait and perhaps that person passes away. What are you going to do then? But let's even go with that example. What do you do with that situation? You can still find a way to accept. You can still find a way to deal with that issue. We're going to talk about that. So even if that person's passed away, even if there's no way to get a hold of that person, you're still responsible for dealing with your own emotions. Very, very important. You know, sometimes we use unforgiveness as our brick wall, if you will. And brick walls seem to protect us, but what it ends up doing, because it's so thick, it ends up suffocating us. At first, it feels like it's working. But in the long run, you look back and say, oh my gosh, this, this is not working at all. Or sometimes, you know, getting loud and creating big outbursts and yelling and screaming, we think 
that'll keep them from ever hurting me again. Lo and behold, someone comes and hurts you again or does you wrong. Yelling and screaming isn't going to keep the issue and your emotions from ever getting hurt again. You need to deal with your emotions. You do that. Through the help of God, we face it. Forgiveness and or letting go is always an option. Always. Again, remember what we said last time is we're not saying that we're okaying their actions. We're not saying that they can keep doing this to us. What we're saying is we're going to resolve what we're feeling through forgiveness and or letting go. And the way we define forgiveness is we need to re- receive an apology and we're not always going to get an apology. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make here. So the other option is going to be to let go. So my friend, there's always a way. The question is, are you willing to accept that? If you're not, you're going to reap the unhealthy physical issues, unhealthy eating habits, unhealthy mindsets. Again, you reap what you sow. If you're going to sow harboring anger, you're going to get that right back. So I dare you, that's my challenge, is I dare you to go on this journey with me for the show. I know you can do it. Everybody can. It doesn't mean it's easy, but you can do it. You know, another excuse or reason I've heard in the past is, well, it's been so long. You know, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's ancient. Yeah, but the moment we talk about it, you start to get fidgety. You start to get upset. Obviously, it still bothers you. Let's not pretend anymore. If it's bothering you, let's deal with it. Look, all because you can't get a hold of them doesn't mean you stop the process. You can still work on this. Remember, you have to remember forgiveness, the letting go, is not for the other person. It's all for you. You are the one who's going to benefit from this, not them. And the example that comes to my mind is, I've I've heard this many times, is revenge or the anger that we harbor is sometimes having a cup of poison and wanting the other person to drink it. Not knowing that we're the one drinking that cup of poison every time we're thinking and harboring and thinking of revenge and hurting the other person. You're making yourself sick. You can let go of that. Are you willing to put down that poisonous cup that you were the one drinking out of it. No, don't go to, well, I just can't let them off the hook. I can't do it. You're not letting anybody off the hook. You're resolving your own emotions. And remember, later on, you create a healthy boundary. And that's a fence. It's not a, it's not a brick wall. Brick walls, nothing goes in, nothing goes out. Fences are interesting. The fences are different. Fences usually have a gate at the end, in our analogy here. The gate at the end is a lot smaller than that big fence. And guess who gets all the say about who goes in, what goes in, and what goes out of that gate? You do. Not me. Not even God. You do. You're the one who has the free will. So you get that. That's yours. That's your gate. If you want to keep it locked, you can keep it locked. Once in a while, if you want to open it up, allow someone, something in or something in or out, you're allowed to. 
boundaries are very important. Everybody in your life needs boundaries. Every relationship in your, in your life needs a boundary. You know, your spouse, your kids, work, everything and everyone, friendships, everyone needs a boundary. All things don't go in every relationship. There are healthy limits of what we, we allow and what we don't allow. This is all part of forgiveness. You can do it. You can do it. And we've said this a couple times now. It's, it's not supposed to be easy. That's why we're taking two shows to do this. It's not an easy process. And for some cases, it's okay. The two shows aren't going to miraculously f- fix your life. You may need to talk to somebody. You may need to get some help from a friend, a pastor, a therapist, whatever you need. But you've just got to find that right thing and pray about it. Ask the Lord to lead you. Ask him to show you what to do, where to go to get the proper help so you can deal with this. Do not allow the walls that you have built up to suffocate you. It's amazing what we do to ourselves sometimes, unknowingly, unknowingly. We build up the wall thinking that this is going to help and this is going to strengthen us. On the contrary, it ends up making us weaker and weaker and weaker. Forces us into a dull and numb life. That is not God's will. You cannot fulfill your destiny within walls that you build yourself. Rather than you trying to protect yourself, I dare you to allow God to protect you with healthy boundaries. So let's just clarify what is forgiveness. How do we define forgiveness? If you were to explain forgiveness to somebody, how do you explain it? This is the way I like to explain it. Forgiveness is my transition of me going from a state of turmoil to peace and tranquility. It's you transitioning from a victim to a victor. You become the conqueror and no longer the defeated. The power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is you, you being part of the solution and no longer part of the problem. It's me, forgiveness, I'm owning forgiveness and me taking charge and being a responsible person, a responsible steward, a responsible Christian. Me being responsible for me and my actions, my thoughts, my mental state. Nobody else. If I can forgive, I regain control. My friend, you have to have a plan, a plan of action. That's what forgiveness is. It's that old saying, if, if you don't have a plan, a plan happens to you. When you have unforgiveness, a plan is going to happen to you. It's inevitable. And I repeat, forgiveness is not me saying that what that other person did was okay or acceptable. I'm just owning the problem from my perspective and my side. And I will no longer allow that to dictate my life. Because my walk with God is more important than you or anybody else offending me. 
or hurting me, whatever else has happened, cannot be greater than my walk and my love for God. If I harbor any type of anger or resentment or unforgiveness, I cannot walk clearly. I cannot get a vision clearly. I will live in clouds. I will not live in clouds. I will no longer live a hazy life because unforgiveness makes me the slave and I will no longer be a slave because I'm freeing Christ. That is forgiveness. I like how Matthew 6, 14 and 15 say, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, for the sake of context, this was before Jesus died and resurrected. So the rules have changed a bit. So as for salvation, you can still have unforgiveness. I want to make that very clear. Salvation is a whole different level. I want to make this very, very clear. If you have unforgiveness, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. Remember, the key thing, the key element for salvation is you believing in Christ. It doesn't matter if you hold unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the second phase, not salvation. Salvation is phase one. Phase two is you dealing with you now, allowing God to wash you, to clean you. That's hopefully what this message is doing. Part of it is to wash you out. And some of it's going to be the uh, that uncomfortable wire kind of sponge thing. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> But that thing, that's uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, some of it's going to be that. But it's all for the purpose of you being washed out and cleaned out so you will live your purpose in Christ. But let's take the principle of that verse. Holding unforgiveness is a big issue. Why would Jesus talk about it? Because they held unforgiveness. They held things over each other's head. I've seen some families do that. They hold things over each other's head in a sense almost like a blackmail to manipulate each other. Don't play that game. Don't play that game. You got to realize God has forgiven you. Did you deserve it? I didn't deserve it. I don't think anybody deserves it fully or minimally even. We were forgiven though we didn't deserve it. Let's take that as our model. Matthew 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Being merciful is not easy, but will you do it? Look, you have the choice. Matthew 18.35, he says, That is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Or Mark 11.25 says, And when you stand to pray, if you hold anything against another, forgive it, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your trespasses as well. Again, this is all pre-resurrection. But let's just take the principle of these things. Jesus says, look, even before you go to pray, you better, you better start forgiving. You better start letting go of these things. Why? Because if you're going to be in prayer, you want to do your best to have a clear mindset. If you're going to go to God with your bitterness, you're not thinking clearly. And this happens to everybody. We all get upset. And what happens? We don't think clearly. That's the issue with anger. Again, I'm not saying don't be angry. It's, you know, the word even says be angry and sin not. So the anger isn't the issue. We're all going to get angry. 
But what happens when we get angry? We do things, we say things we don't mean. It's easy to go the wrong route when we stay stuck in that place. Again, it's anger is just another emotion that you will have. It's not about stopping anger. It's about what will you do with that anger? That's where wisdom must kick in. That's where God's spirit must kick in. That's where the washing of the word kicks in. And going with the flow here, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive any complaint you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's interesting how many times forgiveness is brought up. And notice what it says, you do the forgiving. It doesn't say wait for them to come to you and start working on a, on a mutual plan there. No, you go do it. Know what that means? I'm responsible. That's on me. I've got to do that. Well, I don't feel like doing it. I didn't say anything about your feelings. You may not feel like doing it. Like, I don't feel like paying bills, but you have to do it. I don't feel like working every day, but you do it. Will you live according to your feelings? Or will you live according to what is right? It's a big difference. The world, the world wants you and I to live based off of our feelings. But there's no logic behind feelings. That's not to say, again, feelings are not bad, but they're not the leader. They're just the guide. And we need a guide, but we need the leader. That's where logic, that's where your brain has to kick in. And here's the famous one, Ephesians 4, 25 to 27. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Basically, we're teammates. Be angry and don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And check this out. And give no opportunity to the devil. Why does he say that? He says, be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. What is he saying there? Well, that's my segue into telling you how to forgive. I'm going to give you a simple model. You know, for the sake of the show, there's only so much I can talk about. Again, this, this is a topic that we can write books about and we can do, you know, probably an entire year or two of shows just on this topic. So I will have to keep it brief. And I, and I give you that disclaimer because this, I think, will work for most issues because it's, it's the model, it is the basics. But there are rare occasions where it'll be difficult to implement this. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It'll, it'll just take a lot of willpower. In some cases, you may need other people with you to walk you through it. That's what I do. I'm a counselor, so I, I guide people through this, and I walk with them through this process. It's the same method that I use. It just may be difficult for some to implement some pieces of this. So let's go through some steps of how do we forgive. Now, first, we need our foundation. What's really happening here is the question. You must realize clearly what is really happening. Remember, it is an aggravation of the emotions. And we have to think of this also spiritually. Spiritually speaking, 
Satan cannot attack you with logic. If Satan came to your door and said, Hi, I'm the devil, I am God. You would laugh. You would say, no, you're not, you're the devil. So you see, logically, he cannot just come to you that way. So he has to be a lot craftier than that. How does he do it? The only, listen to me carefully, the only way Satan can attack you is through your emotions. Again, I'll give you another example. Satan comes to you and says, one plus one is three. Again, you laugh. <laughs> Why? That's impossible. One plus one cannot be three. Satan cannot attack logically. He has to attack emotionally. That is the only place he can live in the emotional realm. This is always his plan of attack, and that's the only way he can get to you, through your emotions. And I've quoted this before, John 8, 44, and Jesus says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him, speaking of Satan. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now to connect that back to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Why? Anger is an emotion. And if you let that anger sit long enough, that is an open doorway for Satan. Not for possession, okay? You, you will not get possessed with the devil. That's not what I'm saying. Listen to me clearly. But that's where he can toy with you. He can't have you, but he can toy with you. This is where that bitterness will grow and grow and grow and turn into a giant tree, if you will. And it begins to bear fruit. What, do you, what kind of fruit do you think a tree of resentment and bitterness bears? It's going to be negative. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hurtful. Not just to others, but to yourself. We want to uproot those. We want to get rid of those. We want to be washed by the word of God. That's what we're doing now. Realize, realize that you and I have been captivated by a lie. This is the foundation to all of this this method here. Satan has to captivate you with a lie. And if he captivates you with the lie, you, my friend, are now the victim. And now you are stuck because you are emotionally charged. You are stuck in a victim mentality. And when you're stuck in that victim mentality, Satan wins. My friend, do not be another casualty. We can and will defeat this in the name of Jesus. So that is our framework there. Realize that you have been tricked, you and I. There's something in here. Satan is toying with us through our emotions. And this is how we kick him out. I'm going to give you an analogy. Imagine you're late for work. You go to your car and you notice a flat tire. Well, you're already late for work. That's a giant issue, isn't it? And now you have a flat tire that's going to make it worse. What do I do? Well, of course, I can just get mad. And now I'm frustrated, maybe, maybe using some curse words. 
I'll kick the tire, I'll kick the car. Call the car some names, you stupid car, you good-for-nothing tire. It's one way I can do it. Stay there and stuck in my frustration. I'm so mad right now. I should be at work right now, even though I was late. If it wasn't for this car, I'd be at work by now. I'm losing money. I'm losing fill-in-the-blank. Another approach could be upset still. I'll wait for help. I'll wait for someone to show up. I'll stand there. Maybe somebody will notice. And no one ever shows up. So now you're frustrated, upset, cursing, kicking. Now you hurt your foot because you kicked the car. And now you're cursing at your toe and your shoe because now you're hurt. So now you're cursing about your toe too. And now you're infuriated, you're upset, you're so mad. You can still stick around and wait and stand, look around, pace, because you're so mad. What'd that do? Everything that I just explained to you did nothing. That's like unforgiveness. Something bad happens to you. It's an unfortunate event. And we get mad. Of course, it's understandable. You're allowed to get mad. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You're allowed to get mad. But now you're mad. And then you're so mad that you hurt yourself. You hurt your toes. You pace. You get mad. You look around. You curse. You scream. All understandable. Okay, it's all understandable. That's very similar to unforgiveness. You're stuck. You're stuck in your frustration. And again, a very simple model. But now what do you do? Let's restart the whole story. You're late for work. You go to your car. And you notice a flat tire. Sure you get upset. Oh my goodness. Just what I needed. I really didn't need this right now. I'm going to be late. Later for work now. Great. That response is understandable. We all get it. We've all been somewhere like that. But here's where things change. Sure, I have my moment. Sure, I have my gripe. But this is where I start to take ownership of the next step. I will choose to think rather than stay stuck in my emotions. Because remember... Satan has a field day in the emotional realm. That's where he gets to toy with your head and now you're having more negative thoughts. No, we're not going to go there. I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm late. But I'm going to tell myself something. I don't like the situation, Gary. I'm really upset right now. So now what do I have to do to fix what I have to fix? That's the main step right there. I have to choose. Though I'm angry or frustrated or hurt, I have to choose to take the responsibility and say, now what will I do with this unfortunate event? I don't like it. 
but I have to deal with it. I will not be the victim. In Jesus' name, I will be the victor. So now I have to go. I have to start thinking logically here. Okay, I'm frustrated, but what can I do? Well, I can try to change the tire. Let's, let's just assume I don't know how to change a tire. Okay. I'll go next door. I'll go to a neighbor. Call a neighbor. No neighbors? Call a friend. Call AAA if you don't have AAA. Call a tow truck. Something. What are the yellow pages? Still nothing? Okay, fine. I'll go to YouTube. I'll find a way to try to change this tire. Okay, that doesn't work. No one knows how to change a tire. Okay, maybe call a friend to get a ride. No friend? I'll do Uber. I'll get a taxi. Oh, maybe I have no money. Then I'll walk. I'll find a bike. I'll use my old bike to get to work. Can't do any of those? It's too far to walk? I'll call into my job. And tell them, hey, look, I got a flat tire. I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. Or I'm not going to be there today. I'll be there tomorrow. And let's just keep going with this miserable story. Let's say they tell me, Gary, you've been late too many times. We're going to have to let you go. So now we've got a flat tire and no job. I still take ownership. I still have to be responsible to own up to this and deal with this issue. That is what a good steward does. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfectly. Hey, it might take me a couple days now because I'm really frustrated because now I have no job because of this stupid flat tire, right? That's the way you feel. That's the way any, anybody would feel. It's understandable. So what do I do now? I'm jobless. Am I going to hold on to that? Or am I going to stand back up in my frustration, in my hurtness, in my hurt feelings, and start going job hunting? I'll find a way to get that tire fixed and get a new job. That's so inconvenient. That's not ideal. That's not what I want to do. I didn't say it was ideal. I didn't say I liked it. What other choice do I have? Will I sit for the rest of my life with a flat tire? Will I stay unemployed for the rest of my life? No. Absolutely not. There's no reason for that. I have to shake it off. Go in prayer. Go to the Lord. Talk to him about this. Sooner than later, you're going to get a new job. You're not going to have the flat tire anymore. Why? Because you faced the problem. You didn't hold on to your resentment. You didn't hold on to the anger. You didn't hold on to the hurt feelings. You didn't hold on to the resentment that you may have had against that boss or that manager who fired you over the phone. It's all just stuff. It's part of the lesson here is you can't hold on to anything in life that much. A lot of things in life we have to hold on to loosely. Hold on to God with everything you've got. But other things in life we hold on to loosely. Because everything in life can come and go. Everything. I've got no guarantees. Do you, do you have a contract? Do you have a contract that says you have a guarantee on life, on what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't. I never got a guarantee. 
So guess what? I've got to do the best that I can with what I have. Now notice what I did in that entire situation, as horrible as it got, it was pretty extreme, but for the sake of argument, I wanted to show you how far we can take it. I had to accept a lot of things, didn't I? I didn't like a lot of it. I didn't like most of it. I didn't even want any of that stuff from being late to having a flat tire to getting fired. I didn't want any of those things. But I had to deal with it. That means I have to accept the fact. I didn't say you have to like it. You just have to accept the fact of it. I had to let go of some or a lot of my own expectations without liking it. The liking aspect is my emotion. It's important. I want to realize that it's there. But that cannot be the leader. Well, because I don't like it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Unforgiveness is the same way. Forgiveness is the same thing. It's not the end of the world. I still have breath in my lungs. I've got to deal with this. If you can start thinking that way, the attitude of I've got to start dealing with this versus I'm so mad at them and it's their fault and it's them. Everyone's against me. Replace that kind of thinking with, okay, I don't like it. Now what do I have to do? I'm irritated. Now what do I have to do? I got to figure this thing out. The chances of you forgiving, the chances of you dealing with your problems skyrockets. You may have to momentarily let go of some of your expectations for the sake of getting past certain things, certain feelings, certain people, certain events in life. Remember, all because I let go of it or I accepted the fact doesn't mean I like it. I just have to do what I have to do to move forward because there's more life to live. If I have breath in my lungs, there's more life to live. It's the old saying, you just let bygones be bygones. It has nothing to do with me liking it. So do you see how we have to separate the emotion from the logical steps that we take? Go into a solution mode and see what happens. I dare you. Think of the person who's offended you, who's, do, who's done you wrong maybe your entire life. It's easier to hold on and say, oh, it's their fault and it's because of them I'm like this and these things are all because of them and I have to go to therapy because of these people and I spend all my money because of all these people. You might be right. But those kinds of thoughts are what are exactly what is enslaving you to keeping you there. It's good that you realize that. But I encourage you to go into, okay, these things happened. They did this to me. They hurt me. What can I do now? Lord, what do I do now? Give me your wisdom. Give me your strength. Give me your direction to figure this out because I will not be a victim. I dare you to do that. I dare you. Try it and see what happens. Get back to me. Email me. Prayer at finallyalive.com Let me know how it works. 
And again, this isn't to say that all because you do that step means that forgiveness will instantly happen. No, no, I'm not saying that. Some things will and some things won't. It's a lot easier to forgive or let go of someone who stole $5 versus someone who has committed murder against your loved one. The key to all of this is you decide to forgive and or let go. You have all the control. The question is, will you own it? Will you take it? Will you be the responsible one and be a good steward of what God has given you and own up to it? I mean, I've got tons of success stories. I remember um, a Vietnam War veteran years ago. He found a way to forgive his mother, who had then been deceased, for being abusive to him when he was a child. Do you know the power of forgiveness? you know what it did? It actually released tons of tension, obviously. He was, had a lot lower stress. And the tension of PTSD began to diminish lower and less and lower and less. His marriage was in shambles at the time. And now they're living it up happily. In that case, all it was was to forgive someone in your past that hurt you, who's done you wrong. We're not saying that they're right. We're just saying, I choose to let you go. I choose to let that event go. A wife forgave her husband for being so cruel. And you know what happened after she forgave him? Her forgiveness moved him so much that he, start, he started to feel guilty for what he was doing. And that guilt was the bridge to take him to understanding and realizing what he was doing wrong. And guess what? That marriage was saved. I recall another situation. A son was bitter at his father. Father was an abusive drunk, just absolutely wild. One of the resolves we came up with was for the son to actually approach dad. He ended up calling his dad after 22 years. And before the son can tell the dad, hey, you know, I'm choosing to let go of the past. The dad spoke up and said, look, before you, you talk, son, I have to confess something here and apologize. That was such a a plot twist for us. We kind of came together and kind of laughed about it for a second. Not, Not because it's funny, because it just, it's amazing how things happen sometimes. The son went to go tell his dad he's going to let go of his resentment. But on the contrary, the dad actually comes and apologizes. Walk in faith and see what happens. Miracles still happen question is, are you willing to go and see them? I said in the last show, remember when I talk about God and forgiveness. And remember what I've said about what forgiveness is. It's not for the other person. It's for you. When you forgive, it's for you, not the other person. You are the one who benefits. Let's apply that theory to God. What did God do when he sent his one and only son? 
God had an issue with humanity. A giant issue. A chasm, if you will. He was very mad. If you read the Old Testament, he sounds very, very mad. What does God do? God is amazing. And he's all-knowing. And he's responsible. He took ownership of what was happening to him and the offenses that we were causing through our own sin and our sin nature, just being born in sin. He took ownership of it and did something that revolutionized everything that changed literally the covenant from the old covenant to the new covenant, which we call the New Testament through Jesus Christ. God took ownership of himself, his emotions, his perception, his position, and brought about the perfect solution. Forgiveness through his son. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says on the cross, literally bleeding to death. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. God took ownership Jesus, dying on the cross, owned up and asked God to forgive us. That is amazing. Are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to move on? Choose to forgive. Today can be the first day of the beginning of joy, freedom, peace. That's if you'll choose it. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us on this week's program with pastor and counselor Gary Harris of Finally Alive Ministries. We pray that if God has touched your heart with any part of today's teaching, you would respond and move into the healing that God has for you visit us at finallyalive.com. There, you can download this episode for free, email your concerns, questions, or share a story of how God is using this teaching to help you grow in Christ and His freedom. If you'd like to call our prayer line, you may do so at 657-246-2464. That's 657-246-2464. Or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. We will meet you again next week at this same time when we look at God's Word with pastor and counselor Gary Harris and learn how to finally be alive in Christ.